Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're delighted that you could join us again this week as we continue to look at managing for the Master till he comes. This week we are looking at lesson number five, which is dealing with debt, a fascinating subject, and we're going to take a look at it over the course of the next 30 minutes. With me this week is, once again, the author of this quarter's Sabbath School lesson, Ed Reed. He is an ordained minister. He is also a licensed attorney, and he has been speaking on and writing about stewardship, managing money God's way for decades. And today we're going to get some additional insights, especially on this subject of debt. Before we dive in, let's have prayer. Father, we want to ask that once again you will be with us as we continue our journey through this quarter's lesson. Help us to understand the significance of debt, what role it plays, and how we can move forward in the direction that you would have us go. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ed, welcome back once again. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So we have a really fascinating subject that we're going to be looking at this week. It's called Dealing with Debt. And I want to read the memory text for this week because I think it'll give us a good start on where we're going. I'm going to quote here from the New King James Version. This is Proverbs 22, verse 7, which says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think the King James says the borrower is slave to the lender. Neither of those sound very good, though. It's really quite interesting that uh, the Bible mentions being in debt, 26 different references. All of them are negative. It doesn't say it's a sin to be in debt, but it always discourages us to be in debt. And today we have people more and more filing for bankruptcy protection. Even in our country, the land of the free and the home of the brave. You see that over and over again, thousands every week. The interesting part about all of this is that not just people, but also governments and cities and states are filing for bankruptcy protection around the world because they're overspending and going in debt for, for uh, various reasons. So what we're going to talk about here is what, what we can do about the debt for our own selves. So we may not be able to change the world, but there are some things that we can do ourselves to make sure that we end up on the right, uh, right side of things. On Sunday's lesson, you talk about the, the problems that there are inherent in debt. I want to read a passage here from 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil." which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So the counsel that God gives us here in his word about debt is, is to avoid it. That's, that's the short answer. But why do so many people, why do so many families find themselves falling into debt if God has given us counsel to steer clear of it? Well, Eric, that's a good question because... The Bible does give good counsel about that, but I've found in my talking with people and studying over the years that there's three basic reasons that people get in debt. The first one is ignorance. Ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't have good aptitude. It just means you've never been taught the information. So there's lots of people out there in our churches and in society who've never had the biblical principles of money management taught to them, and they've never even then the secular principles taught to them. There's hope for these people, of course, but they need to get the information and study it. 
it's easier to get your driver's license than, and, than uh, some of the things that people do about debt, like a credit card and so on. It, pretty amazing. The second reason, and this is one you just read about in the scriptures, where you said godliness with contentment is great gain. The second reason is that people have greed in their hearts and they live selfish lives. I'll give you some examples here. They simply live beyond their means, which means they're not willing to live in or to drive or to wear what they can really afford. So they're borrowing money to get these things. And credit card debt, of course, is a big deal. Uh, a lot of people have, I've talked to people that were, I talked to one man that's over 300000 in debt in credit cards. In fact, it was taking him all of his monthly income just to pay the interest each month. So from his perspective, when he talked to me, there was no hope to get out of debt. The third reason is that people have uh, personal misfortune. They may have a health crisis. Uh, for example, frequently today in, in Western society, man and wife are both working. If one gets sick and can't work, they only have half the income, for example, to take care of all their expenses. And they don't, some people don't have adequate health insurance. And, of course, things cost a lot today as far as that's concerned. There's another one, and that is people that are abandoned by a spendthrift marriage partner. Somebody, you know, spends a lot of debts and then ditches the marriage and goes away. I would also say this, Eric, which is interesting. Studies show that more than 80% of families who are divorced point to financial difficulties as one of the major fa- factors in their divorce. In other words, they're arguing about money. And this is interesting. A natural disaster may uh, wipe out their property without, maybe they were in a flood zone or something, or maybe they were by the seacoast where a big hurricane came in. And many of these people have to start almost from scratch, no matter how old they are. So uh, there's one final one, and some people are raised in abject poverty. Now, people like in my generation, a lot of us worked very hard to get our education and so on. But some people don't have the ability or the uh, opportunity, I would say, to, to do what we did, even though it was hard. So these people, there's hope for them, but they need to change their habits as well. And I would say for the people in, in the middle category of greed, study the Bible and pray for counsel and know how, what to do about that. Because God really wants to get people out of debt. Uh, it's interesting that many people in the Bible were actually sold for slavery because of their debts, or they sold their children. So it's not a good deal, for sure. And so Paul says, Owe no man anything except to love one another. So he's giving us some good counsel there. Paul certainly does. And the Bible continues to give us good counsel. Uh, Monday's lesson talks exactly about that following godly counsel. One of the reasons that you mentioned people go into debt is because of, of ignorance. And again, that's not necessarily meant in a derogatory way, but just unawareness of, yes. uh, of the situation. So obviously the Bible gives us counsel in many different areas. I suspect it gives us some good counsel in this area as well. It does indeed. In fact, the Bible talks more about money than any other subject. Money and our attitude toward it. And we'll talk about that in another session, but I will just tell you, importantly, I would encourage people to start reading the Bible. Uh, the book of Proverbs is a good place to start. Proverbs is 31 chapters. You can read one a day. And it's a book of wisdom and, and foolishness, you know, contrasted. So you'll find a lot of good counsel in the book of Proverbs. But Jesus said in Matthew six twenty four, again in that section in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, no man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I thought to myself when I first read that, I'm not serving mammon. I don't even know who he is. But the bottom line is mammon is wealth or riches. 
People always have this fantasy of what they could do or what they could be or what they could, where they could live or where they could go on vacation if they just had more money. But the Bible says you can't, it's not just difficult to serve God in money. It says it can't be done. A second verse that I'll mention is 1 John 2.15 and following there. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you just need to, we just need to pray. I tell people, this is not boasting or nothing, but my wife and I read the Bible through out loud together every year. We use different versions some years and so on, but we do it, we've done it for many years. And you just find these principles over and over again. For example, Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15 says, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows unto the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. God says if we're faithful with him, and I, I think of the vows, when we take our baptismal vows, we, we're asked the question, do you believe that the Seventh-day Adventist Church, for example, is the remnant church of Bible prophecy, and will you support it with your tithes and offerings? That's in the baptismal vow. God says if you pay your vows, he'll take care of you. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I'll take care of you, I'll deliver you, and you'll glorify me. So I would also suggest that not your... Uh, people that think just like you, but people who maybe don't know you very well so they can be really bold with you, talk to counselors that can help you. Your friends may not be the ones to say, stop living like you're living, or be content with what you have, those kind of things. But they, godly counselors can help you. And also, we talked earlier in one of our lessons to make a covenant with God that as He blesses you, you'll pay off your debts and so on. So that's really interesting, and I hope that we can, in this lesson this week, give you some practical counsel of how to get out of debt and what to avoid. So I think there are lots of people who are looking for exactly that practical counsel on how to get out of debt and, and how to avoid it in the first place. It's one thing to get out of it if you find yourself in it, but far better to just avoid it from the get-go so that you don't ever have to worry about having to get out of it and, and what that's going to look like in, in the steps. But for those who find themselves in debt, some practical simple steps about how to get out of debt. And Tuesday's lesson really uh, talks about that. Now, we're going to take a break in just a moment, but let's start looking at how to get out of debt. Let's, let's take a step or two. And again, this is something that millions of people, uh, maybe billions of people, are, are dealing with right now. And they're looking for hope. And some of them may feel like this fellow you were talking about just a moment ago, uh, as if they're just overwhelmed and it's an impossible weight to get off their shoulders. Give us some practical steps on how to get out of debt. How is it possible, regardless of how much debt you may find yourself in? Well, that's a good question, Eric, and really there's no mountain too big. I, I think I've helped lots of people get out of debt that thought there was no hope for them. But I'll just tell you that I have found in my study and research that there's three basic steps that you can take. But there's a basic premise that you take before that. And this is important to understand. There's three steps, and we'll talk about what they are maybe after the break. But the basic premise is put God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And if you honor God with the first fruits, then God's going to bless you. That's over and over again that's told. I counseled with a family one time that were serious debt, and I said to them, have you folks been tithing? What do you think they said? We can't afford to tithe. So I said, well, how do you expect God to bless you if you're robbing him every time you get paid? The bottom line is this basic premise, put God first and establish the tithe for a regular basis. And then you know that God will bless you and you're in a position that he will bless you. 
So I can just say, put God first, establish the tithe, pay your vows to God, and then you can call on him to help you, and he will help you. We don't think God wants us in debt, so if we make this promise to God that we'll, we'll be faithful with him and accept that tithe covenant that we've talked about, then you'll understand how important it is. You know, Ed, as you mentioned, we're going to be looking at these three steps to getting out of debt in just a moment. But I found the very same thing. I've talked with some very successful, very wealthy people over the years, and I often ask them, why, why is it that you've been so, so successful? And often they'll tell me one of the first things that we do is we make sure that we return that tithe to God. But we're going to go back through those three steps here in just a moment. If you are joining us for the first time or the 50th time, I want to make sure that you know about this additional resource that is available. If you're interested in this subject and want to dig more deeply into it, Managing for the Master is the title of the companion book that goes with this quarter's Sabbath school lesson. It goes into greater detail on exactly what we're talking about, and you will learn much, much more on this subject if you pick up a copy of this book. Of course, by Ed Reed, it's called Managing for the Master, and you can find it at itiswritten.shop. Again, that's itiswritten.shop. Look for the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. It is called, again, Managing for the Master by Ed Reed. When we come back in just a moment, Ed is going to share with us those three steps to getting out of debt. We'll see you back in just a moment. You can't live without it, but it can be a challenge to live with it. The Bible says a lot about it, and there are people everywhere who haven't handled it well. Most of us think that if we only had more money, our problems would be over. But in many cases, more money means your problems have only just begun. Your blessings can easily become a curse. Don't miss The Love of Money, featuring author, teacher, and financial expert, Julian Archer. The Love of Money, exploring issues of finance and faith in God, finding the balance between relying on dollars and cents and relying on the God who provides blessing. You can have enough, and you don't have to lose focus on what's really important. Don't miss The Love of Money on It Is Written TV. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study Guides Online, 25 in-depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed, and it's something you'll want to tell others about as well. itiswritten.study. Go further. itiswritten.study. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. When we left a moment ago, we, were, we said we were going to talk about how to get out of debt. Three simple steps, and that's what we're going to do right now. Ed, walk us through these three simple steps that will help someone get out of debt, regardless of how much debt they may be in, because some people watching this right now are in that debt, and other people know others who are in that debt, and either way they can be helped. Walk us through this three-step process. Well, thank you, Eric. These are very practical steps, and I'll just go through them real quickly. The very first one is to declare a moratorium on debt, an additional debt. The bottom line is if you don't borrow money, you can't get into debt. If you don't borrow any more money, you can't get any further in debt. So this is almost like telling people to stop breathing. I know that. 
But you just to say, we're going to live on porridge and rice if we have to. We're, just, we're not going to borrow any more money. So you, the first one is declare a moratorium on additional debt. Now, these are in your quarterly and in the book as well, but I'm going to give you the basic outline so you'll know what they are. The second one is very interesting, and that is make a covenant with God that from this point on, as he blesses you, you'll use the extra blessings to pay on your debts. Now, we know God doesn't want us in debt, so do you think if you made the covenant, God will bless you more? Many people have told me God blessed them in ways they had no idea that could ever happen. So when he blesses you financially, use the money to put on your debts. Now, this is real critical because when most people get extra money, let's just say they got $1,000 somewhere. What do you think they would do with it? Bottom line, they'd spend it. I talked to a man in a church seminar one time. He says, well, I know that's true. We got $2,500 we weren't expecting. And I told my wife, how did God know we needed a new riding lawnmower? And that's what he went out and got. The bottom line is, if you're in debt and God blessed you with extra money, what should you do with it? Put it on the debt. That's the second one. The third one is very interesting also. This is real hands-on and practical. You make a list of all of your debts, and I say it's an upside-down triangle, like an equilateral triangle, and make lines across it. And the first thing you do is make a list of all your debts from the largest one at the top to the smallest one on the bottom in descending order. For most folks, the top line is their home mortgage, probably. And you can pay that off much quicker than you thought, too, once you get your other debts taken care of. So you begin by making at least the minimum payment on each of your debts. Now, some people say, well, I'm going to skip this one this month, and I'll pay it next month. You don't do that. You make the minimum payment on every debt you can. And then you start at the bottom and put any extra money on that one. Let's just say it's a credit card that you owe $500 on. You save up, make the minimum payment, add anything to it you can, pay it off. Now, the interesting thing after that is that you can see, then you can put what you were on that one on the next one, and pretty soon you've paid it off. Bottom line, I'm going to say on this one is very important, and that is you will happily be surprised how quick you go up the ladder. This is like the snowball effect. When you start rolling the snowball, it gets bigger and bigger. So you have more to put on the debt above it. And that, that's the, the three-step in a simple statement. So let's, let's recap here. Step number one is no more debt. Because if you don't take any more debt, you're not increasing what you already have. Step number two is to make that covenant with God that if he blesses you financially, that blessing, that extra money that you have is going to go back on the debts that you currently have. And the third step is that inverted triangle where you're going to start paying off the smallest amount of debt first and then making minimum payments and keep rolling that up. So three simple steps that will help a person, regardless of how much debt they happen to be in, to make strides, significant strides in the right direction in order to get out of debt. So Tuesday's lesson, a very, very practical lesson. Let's take a look at at Wednesday. Wednesday is a fascinating subject. It says surety. Now, surety is kind of a, uh, well, surety and get-rich-quick schemes. The word surety may or may not be a, a common word in everybody's vocabulary. What in, in layman's terms, in simple English, what does surety mean, and is it a good thing or a bad thing? Because if I say I'm sure of something, that sounds good, but here it sounds like surety may not be the very best thing. Well, Eric, that's a very good question. It's something that really has a common uh, practice in society. And surety in, in the layman's terms is co-signing for someone else. 
someone will come up to you and say that you're, they're down on their luck and they need some money and would you co-sign for the debt? Surety typically occurs when a man or a family seeks a loan and the bank d- doesn't approve them. And they will tell them, well, if you get your pastor or one of the church members to come and co-sign for you, we'll make them responsible for the debt and you can have the money. The Bible says, I'm going to say this slowly and very loud, you should never co-sign for anyone. This is very important. So if someone comes to you and says, should you do this? You'll say, well, I'd be glad to help you, but I'm not going to co-sign for you because the Bible says we should never do it. The book of Proverbs alone has five different references about dangers of surety. And one of them I'll just mention is Proverbs, the sixth chapter, one to five. If you found that you've co-signed for somebody, do your very best to get out from under the co-signing. Let me just explain a little bit more about co-signing. If you co-sign for someone's debt, that debt is on your credit reference until the debt is paid off. And more than 75% of the time, the person that co-signed pays the debt off just to save their own credit. I will add one more thing about co-signing. And this is incredibly valuable. The Bible talks about helping people. We should be willing to help them. That's what I wanted to tell you. You should be willing to help anybody who needs your help. But do not become responsible for their debts. That's why you don't co-sign. Another one that I've mentioned in Wednesday section is get-rich-quick schemes. Most of the time these happen in the winter. This is interesting because the sun goes down early on Saturday night. It's like 5.30 or something and your friends tell you at Vespers, come over to our house. We've got something to tell you about that you're going to make money like crazy. And these get-rich-quick schemes, typically there's a person who thinks they're going to get rich and that's by selling or getting more other people involved in doing that. But it causes problems, real serious problems. It breaks up friendships. People lose their shirt financially. I know two ministers I could name by name who lost their ministry and their credentials by getting their churches involved in get-rich-quick schemes years ago. So what I'm going to tell you is avoid this. Do not co-sign. Well, people say, well, what about your kids? My son came to me and he said, Daddy... I'm wanting to get a car, but I'm just working at Taco Bell. Who's going to give me a loan for a car? If you'll give me a loan, I'll pay you back. And he says, you know I would. He was a hard worker. And I said, Andrew, I'm not going to do that. Here's what the story is. I want you to have a car because I don't want to come pick you up at midnight when you get off work. But I'm not going to be responsible for your dad. I'll tell you what, you save up half the money, and I will give you the other half. So Andrew came back to me, and he said, Daddy, I've saved up half the money, $1,500. The car costs $3,000. Where's your money? The bottom line is, I'm willing to help but not become responsible for the debt. That's the bottom line of that one. So that sounds like a healthy way to help. And also to, uh, to have your, your ears up, your antenna up about finding and locating these get-rich-quick schemes. I, sounds like Ponzi schemes is a, yes. is a term that I've often heard uh, attached to these as one type, of, but there are quite a few different ones. And uh, and you're right, they're out there. And so uh, it's good to, to keep our eyes and our ears open for them. I want to take a look at Thursday's lesson. Thursday is also very practical. It's called term limits and borrowing points. So what about when you do take a loan, if you do take a loan? What, what are some guidelines uh, for maybe safer? I don't know if that's quite the right word. You can correct me on that term if you prefer. Uh, safer ways to borrow and less safe ways to borrow, appropriate or inappropriate. Uh, give us some guidance on term limits and borrowing points. What, what, is, what kind of guidance does the Bible give on that? 
It's really interesting in Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. There's some good counsel there. It's in the book and the lesson as well, but I'll just tell you that I'm going to read it so you'll see. People ask me, isn't bankruptcy in the Bible? Because you can file for bankruptcy how often? Once every seven years. By the way, if you do file for bankruptcy, how long is it on your credit record? For 10 years. How long can it adversely affect you? For the rest of your life. Uh, I took the bar exam in Georgia and came into Tennessee with my license on reciprocity and a large payment. The point I'm going to make is they had a 36-page application, and they asked in that application to become a member of the Tennessee Bar, have you ever filed for bankruptcy protection? And I can't say N.A., not apply. I have to say yes or no. And if yes, why? What were the circumstances? Because there's supposed to be a code of professional responsibility. The bottom line is now, I want to tell you, people think bankruptcy is in the Bible because of Deuteronomy 15, 1 and 2, and I'm going to read that, and then I'll explain it to you. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor nor of his brother because it is called the Lord's release. This counsel is not given to the debtor. It's given to the creditor. For example, every seven years the debts were released. So if somebody comes to me in year three and say, would you loan me money? If I loaned them money, how long would I let them pay for it? Only the last four years that are on there, because otherwise I have to grant a release of the debt. It's just wiped off. So this text is in the Bible to limit long-term indebtedness to a span of seven years. It is not to declare bankruptcy and say, I'm sorry, I can't pay you. So l- let me kind of tie some things together. That's, that's a helpful understanding of that verse, because there are, as you mentioned, many people who misunderstand that verse. I want to quote something from a book called Councils on Stewardship. It's on page number 257, these several quotes. And I think this gives us some good guidance, a very useful and practical guidance on the subject of debt. Here's what it says, Councils on Stewardship, page 257. Be determined never to incur another debt. Deny yourself a thousand things rather than run in debt. This has been the curse of your life getting into debt. Avoid it as you would the smallpox. Make a solemn covenant with God that by his blessing you will pay your debts and then owe no man anything if you live on porridge and bread. Do not falter, be discouraged, or turn back. Deny your taste, deny the indulgence of appetite, save your pence and pay your debts. Work them off as fast as possible. Then you can stand forth a free man again, owing no man anything. You will have achieved a great victory. Ed, thank you so much for guiding us through this week's lesson on how to deal with debt, how to avoid it, and how to pay it off. I have no debt. I have no doubt. And by the grace of God, it'd be great to have both of those things to be the case for all of us. I have no doubt that this will have been a blessing to many, many people. We're going to be back again next week as we continue looking at this subject, managing for the master till he comes. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you again next time.